Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets, ideas change the world. As all of you know, I'm looking all the time for breakthroughs, uh, personal, professional breakthroughs. Ideas happen in the midst of crisis, um, uh, very rarely in the midst of equilibrium and safety. And so um, I'm always looking for that heartbeat that's going on in different sectors of our world. And the other day I started discovering, it was like peeling back an onion, this gentleman who's worked within this very exciting hospital in South Los Angeles and has made innovation after innovation, well-recognized by his peer group in the security and safety tied into the business of the hospital, the mission, vision, purpose of the hospital. And I just wanted to get in his head and kind of understand that innovation mindset and innovation life cycle. So I got a hold of Mark Reed. Mark, Martin Luther King Jr. Community Hospital, how do they handle you? Oh, uh, we work well together. We work well together. <laughs> That's awesome. Don't well, great. Me. Well, great having you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. So uh, let's just dive right into it, okay? Let's let's peel back the onion, kind of do a logic ladder. First of all, it seems to me, it appears to me from your background, somewhere along the line, you connected the dots and said, this isn't just about security and safety. This is about the business of the hospital too. And what I'm doing has context into how they perform in the future. Am I right? Well, yeah, I mean, like safety and security of the hospital is part of the hospital's business. I mean, it's, it's all tied into, into each other. You know, the, the safer I can create a, a hospital, the better it is for our staff and the better it is for our patients. You know, you want hospitals to be a, a safe healing environment. The last thing I want a nurse when they walk into work today is, is, is something going to happen to me? I want them to be able to focus on providing the best care they can for that patient. Last thing I want the patient to feel is like, oh my gosh, is it safe here? You know, you're here to get better. Focus on that. You know, this, this, all this other stuff, the, the safety, the security, that should be like wallpaper. It's there. You don't really notice it. Um, but you know, it all goes hand in hand. Well, I, I got, I, I, I got to tell you, uh, for somebody who's built valuable companies, the first thing I want to know is what's on the customer's mind. And it strikes me, you tell me if you have any data on this, it strikes me the customer is concerned now about the safety and security and the well-being when they go into ER late at night or they're in a hospital that isn't managing that apparently. So do you have the same stats? Do you have any stats on that? Yeah, I mean, so when it comes to healthcare, we, we've known the last couple of years that they can shop around, you know? You can, you can take your insurance and go to somewhere else that has better health ratings, security ratings, safety ratings. We have health grades. We have, you know, CMS scores, star ratings, LeapFrog. You know, there's all these organizations that we, we all strive to, you know, show that we're a safe and, and, you know, innovative hospital that provides, you know, cutting edge care and things like that, at, you know, market rates and, you know, value for the insurance companies. Um, so we, we measure ourselves against those annually, as well as, you know, when it comes to safety and security, you have crime surveys, you have cap indexes, um, things like that. Um, and, you know, our, our customer base, you know, I got a hospital that's, you know, 
five minutes down the road, literally less than 10 miles away. They could go there if they wanted to, um, you know, but we got to provide some, some reasons on why you're coming here. Uh, excellent care, safe environment. You know, you're going to see the best doctor that you can get low wait times, all these different metrics all go into it, into the business of healthcare, right? That is so awesome because um, if you're, uh, if you are developing a scorecard for your customer around a hospital, then the case uh, is then made that you better evidence the same thing in its security and safety practices. So it becomes part of the business scorecard for a hospital. I love that. Now, Tell me how you've matured that thinking at Martin Luther King Jr. Community Hospital. Tell me some of the uh, business problems you've solved with and through security. So one thing is, as a security department in a hospital, my customers aren't just the patients. My customers are also the staff. Um, and, you know, healthcare, unfortunately, has seen an increase in workplace violence year over year going through the last decade. You know, you're four times more likely to be assaulted in a healthcare setting than any other industry. Four times, um, which, you know, to, to me is baffling somewhat. But when you look at the nature, you know, we have, we have people coming to, to a hospital because they're in crisis. You know, very few times do you show up at the hospital because you're having the best day of your life. And, you know, here I am. It's usually something's wrong. Something's either wrong with you or a loved one you care deeply about. There's a lot of emotions going involved with that. There's a lot of bad news that gets broken sometimes, you know, coupled with we might have long wait times, coupled with the last year, a global pandemic and all the things that have gone with that. You know, it, there's a lot to that. Um, some of the business case uses, um, retention when it comes to, to nursing staff and medical staff in general is huge. There's a lot of money that gets spent. Um, when it comes to, to finding great staff, retaining great staff, um, there's hospitals out there right now, $10,000 sign-on bonuses, thousands of dollars in sign-on bonuses to get staff. So that tells me if I'm a medical, you know, clinician, a nurse, uh, I'm, I'm wanted. I can go take my, my skills somewhere else if I feel. So why, why do I want to work somewhere where it's not safe, where I don't feel safe? So me as a leader in security, I want to make sure that, you know, you have a safe environment to work in because that's one less thing you have to worry about. I don't want you worrying about, you know, am I safe at work today? I want you caring for that patient. So I think, you know, when I provide a safer environment and our team goes above and beyond, I think, with that mission, it, it helps with our retention and our recruiting. Um, a lot of times it, it just... You know, we don't live in, our hospital is not in the best neighborhood of Los Angeles. It's a, it's a high crime area. Um, so staff have a legitimate concern is, am I going to be safe working there? And so that's where we, we do a lot of work around that innovative technology, training, you know, building out programs to ensure that, uh, that that's key. I think okay. when I first came on, I'll just give you this, this simple fact. We had about 70% of our ED nurses was travelers. 70%. And I'm sure there's multiple factors involved with that, um, but now we're down to less than 5%. That's a huge reduction in cost when it comes to, you know, paying for travelers and things like that. Now, you know, most of my nursing staff in the ED, there are staff. So when we're getting that continuity in service, they know our policies, they know our procedures, they're invested. Um, plus, I'm not, I'm not paying those huge costs in recruiting, retention, and things like that either. 
Now, just uh, to define terms in case people aren't familiar with the term, what do you mean by traveler? So traveler nurses are, are nurses you, you bring in on a temporary basis. Um, they're contract staff. They come in to fill a need or a void. Um, you know, we used a lot of them during the, the pandemic when we had to up, up staff in a very short period of time um, for our surge. Uh, so, you know, these are these are our full-time staff. They're not, they're here on a contract basis for either a 30-day contract, 90-day contract, things like that. So basically the agility of the hospital to respond to market conditions is absolutely critical. And part of the scorecard for that traveler is going to be safety. One of the key aspects of it, safety and security. 100%. Um, so let's discuss then if one of your key customers is the stakeholder, the customer is a stakeholder like the ER room, the nurses, the doctors and so forth. What do you do? You've got benchmarks that give you market data, but do you have a benchmark that you use internally at uh, MLK Junior? Do you do a survey of your customers, for example? Yeah, we do a safety survey annually, as well as we, we track and trend all of our data, our workplace violent incidents, our assaults. Um, we benchmark that against the International Association of Healthcare Security and Safety's annual crime survey. So, you know, I'm able to, to take a look at other urban hospitals, similar size. What does their data look like? Am I on par with them? Am I doing better? Is there things, you know, am I improving year over year from our met previous metrics? Um, so we, we, I love data. I love to crunch the data. Um, I like to tell people, use your data to help make informed decisions. Because a lot of times we take our data and it drives where we're going. Um, what are we going to do next? Because at the end of the day, we want to improve that bottom line and reduce those incidents and create a safer environment. So the one, there's, there's the actual number of incidents. Then you have your culture of safety survey, and that's the perception that staff have of how safe your environment is. Um, and sometimes those, those don't always correlate, you know, um, but it's a key metric. You still, you know, perception is reality a lot of times. So so what's driving that perception? And sometimes it's just like, hey, are, are we are we meeting with them? Are we building that that codependency and that, you know, are we attending their meetings, talking about things that are important to them, getting their ideas, um, getting their buy-in? Because um, that drives that that culture of safety and that perception a lot of times. And maybe they're not even aware of the actual hard numbers and metrics, which sometimes like, hey, listen, we had a 50% reduction from one year to the next. That's huge. You know, let's talk about that and celebrate that those wins. And then as we, we inform people that we're having those types of wins, then you change that perception, that culture a little bit. Like, well, I guess it isn't so bad. It is it is safer than it was because these numbers, oh my gosh, look at them. They're, they're better. It's so funny. You describe what, if you were in a Harvard business school, uh, you're describing what some of the leading thinkers um, would say about change. And they start with define the level of urgency. Well, you just called it, you know, for example, 75% of workplace violence is in a hospital, a sense of urgency. It might be something that we're having high turnover uh, uh, in our hospital, which we can't afford to lose great people. Could be all these things that relate to the business as well as to the marketplace. And then they say, create a guiding coalition. So what you've done is you said, I'm, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna create relationships with my people. 
And I'm going to one, test the level of urgency. Is it true? And two, you know, what can we do about it? Right. And get their, get their, get their, them in on the guiding coalition of the change and then take small bits of that over time and you celebrate at each stage. So what you've done is a marvelous example, whether you knew that or not, of the science of change. Yeah, I'm a firm believer we're always changing. Whether you want to or not, it's 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 happening. You're either changing, the market's going to change you. If you're resistant to that change, you're going to get left behind. So, you know, it's, it's the key, right? The driver is how are we going to adapt to the change? How are we going to respond? What steps are we going to take? I mean, we, we ask ourselves that question every single day. You know, our, our, our vision here at MLK is to be an innovative, collaborative community healthcare. And I love the fact that that's in our, our, our vision statement, to be innovative. Um, and our leadership truly supports that. Go out and be innovative. Don't accept the status quo. You know, if you, if you sit around MLK and say, well, that's the way we've always done it. Boy, you're, you're in for a bad day because no one's going to, no one accepts that one. I just love that. So let's let's just do a little thought experiment. I want to I want to see how you would frame this. And and everyone knows this is unscripted in the great conversation. So I throw curveballs all the time, but they're good curveballs. You can hit them. <laughs> let's go. So let's have a fun. I I I'm your CEO, and I have a a little bit of a business brain, and I'm a little kind of geeky too. I'm a little I I, I kind of like technology, right? Uh, so I, I bring you in. I go, okay, what's what's going on, Mark? You you hit it out of the ballpark. Your your ratings are high in the customer surveys. Uh, our our retention is out of the ballpark. You're you're knocking the ball out of the helping us knock the ball out of the park there. And people tend to think of you as part of the team, not just a security team. You're not isolated. What have you done to turn that all around? Talk to people. You, you just you just get out and talk to people. You know, a long time ago when I was coming up, management by walking around. You know, that was the the buzzword or the, the term. And literally just, you know, I talk to my folks every single day. I talk to the other departments almost every single day. And we build those relationships. Um, you know, just literally that's what it comes down to is building relationships. So if you build the relationships, you understand their business. I understand their pain points. I understand their needs, you know, and then I look at it as from how can I support that with, with my piece of the pie. Right. And we, we all have this spoke in the, in the wagon wheel, um, you know, and no one spokes more important than the other. I need all of them to make that wheel turn, but how can I support the overall, um, you know, our ED, what can I do to, to create a better environment for you? So you guys don't have to worry about this and focus on, bigger issues you know let me let me find out what that is and then we'll start putting some processes some plans some technology some people in place to fix that well you know george as the ceo of this hospital i also know i have to put the right tools in my people's hands uh the right technology to be responsive uh at the time of need you keep you have told me over and over again and you've shown me the data in, in, uh, from a security and safety standpoint. How are you getting that data today? And what kind of unique technologies have you deployed to uh, actually attack their problems? So the, the, the first thing we did when it came to getting the data, um, we did a lot of training. 
a lot of training around incidents and, and how to report those incidents. And we got a system in place to, to bring all that data to one central location. Because um, if you don't, if you're not getting the data, you're, you're not being able to, you know, dissect it and figure out what you need to do. So one was a lot of training around this, the process to make sure we're collecting the data. And then two, we started taking a look at the data and, and figuring out what's out on the marketplace that might be able to help us. Um, a lot of times it's like, oh, let's just add another security officer, add another FTE, add another thing over it, you know? And, and sometimes you might need the other, another FTE in a certain area, but a lot of times we, you know, we can be innovative, right? Uh, what can we use and leverage technology-wise? So we integrate our video management system with our access control system. So now I'm getting real-time alerts that are pulling up screens and videos so the 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 dispatcher can automatically assess and determine what's occurring in that area. Um, we leverage some analytics when it comes around the, the cameras and sound. So rather than just the visual of using this camera to see stuff, now we have some microphones on there and through some analytics, it's able to determine aggression and, and gunshot detection. So one, you know, I'm getting notifications of potential aggression that's occurring and I'm getting that alert before, you know, it's been reported. So now I can dispatch staff. My, my response times are down. I'm able to get there before maybe the aggressions reach the level that we're physically acting out. So now I'm able to, to intervene, hopefully at the beginning of that aggression cycle, reduce that individual's, you know, uh, incident and really talk them down, de-escalate them. And now I didn't even have an incident, right? And that's where it's tough to capture that data. How many times did you not have an incident, right? You know, fill out the, figure out the formula on, on the negatives. That it, it's tough to capture, but I think what we notice is we've had the reduction in incidents. I mean, the first year, 50%, then 30%. And now we're, I think we're down to 10%. And we're hoping to have, you know, to that point where now it's going to be small incrementals. But, you know, we, we had the huge huge increases in reductions that was just amazing through these deployments vms the camera the camera managed so we're managing the data analytics so we can be more precise in how we interpret that data so we can get real-time actionable response even predictive actionable response um and you said microphones. Uh, microphones can be anything. It can be an intercom system. It can be mics at the camera. It could be a lot of things. Have you a network of audio devices doing that? Yeah. So literally, what we had, we already had the cameras deployed, um, and so many of these cameras already had microphones in it, or had the ability just to attach a microphone to it. And now with these microphones strategically placed, it helps triangulate and identifies the location. And then through the analytics, it's able to determine, you know, tone, pitch, cadence, things like that, that now determine that this is true aggression. This isn't just someone excited and yelling. This isn't a child screaming out. This is we're able to determine aggression. And through that aggression, I now get an alert in my command center that says, hey, over in this area of, of the emergency room or wherever it happens to be, we, we've detected aggression. So now I can dispatch some staff over there to find out what's going on. You know, when you when you get to that initial aggression, that's a, our, our best time to help de-escalate. You know, and once we can de-escalate, now, I mean, did we just, did we just uh, you know, did, now we avoided a physical assault. 
a workers' comp claim, a lost time injury. All these different things were avoided because we were able to get the alert immediately and respond quickly. So you're probably now saying we've been successful with analytics in this area. What other analytics can we be put in place that leverages our existing security architecture? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's our next steps, really. Um, you know, and that's why we stay engaged. You know, we, we read the journals, we attend the, the, the association events, the, the ISCs, the GSX, you know, network, talk to peers, because there's other people out there doing a lot of innovative things. And we got to share those ideas and what's working. Which is why back to your innovation gene, both in the hospital and your security safety team. Um, are you willing to actually pilot new technology within the hospital? Yeah, actually, last year we piloted a, a facial recognition card reader. Um, brand new company. It's a startup. We piloted the first one in a healthcare setting. And then uh, it was a successful pilot. And now we've deployed, I think, over a 10 with uh, another deployment this next fiscal year. So if I talk to you, uh, say, a year, two years, three years, if I track you over the next five years, take a shot. I know it, it, it's out there. I'm not asking you to be a futurist. But what do you think a security safety innovative profile will look like You know, five years from now? Well, I think yeah, what we're going to see is you see voice and audio becoming central for like uh, actually administering your applications, for example. I think the integration of all these different things. So you, you, the voice, the audio, um, you know, standardized automated responses in some cases mm -hmm. with the alerts. So you're taking the individual out of the equation in some cases. So you can set it up to where, hey, if after hours, no one should be on my back dock. And then the cameras are able to detect someone comes into that geofence and comes in after hours. Rather than I have to dispatch somebody out to it, the system could automatically just come out on a, on a um, speaker. Hey, be advised, this is after hours. This is unauthorized area. Please leave. Failure to leave, you know, will result in security notification. And then that automation process, you know, if they continue to not, now it gets alerted into my security operations center. I now have to deploy, but... But think, if they left on their own, how much time did I save and resources did I save by not having that officer have to go out there and check on that? It automatically just did it. The system did it itself. You know, we talk about in the, the, the response to the pandemic, everyone wants touchless all of a sudden. We don't want to touch things. You know, and I think I saw in one of the magazines just uh, I got this week, um, someone's developed a, a camera that does facial recognition and eliminates some of your access control features. So no more prox cards, no more, you know, cell phone uh, credentialing. As you walk up to the door, the camera you already have in place that's, you know, there for security, doing facial recognition, credentials you, unlocks that door that you're about to walk into, and it's seamless. Um, I think we're going to start seeing security take a more seamless role and not so uh, out front. It's there but you're not gonna see it as much. You'll probably also see more self-provisioning. You'll start seeing, what do you think? Uh, not only self-provisioning, but also more federated identity because you have identity stores everywhere inside a business. Um, a lot of those things would come as a result of that. That, and I think the data sharing. Yes. As 
as we get into wanting to share some of our data and quit being so siloed and we're able to start sharing some of our, our incident rates or incidents and and some of you know the features of that we'll start developing some commonalities and then you'll be able to you know get into some maybe some some machine learning predictive modeling to where like hey mark reed is a problem at this hospital every tuesday but on thursdays mark reed's a problem over at that hospital somewhere down the road every other thursday you know like why is this well it just so happens the bus route you know goes from here to there um and and you get you start to see this bigger picture of instead of just my hospital you see the whole community and that sharing of data, I think, is what's really going to build some of that out over the next few years. Well, this is why I like a great conversation with people like Mark Reed, because they think of the people, they think of the processes, they think of their company, their hospital, and they think of their community. It's no, nothing like it in, in any industry, uh, like the security risk and resilience industry. Mark Reed, thank you for a great conversation. Thank you for having me.